You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by the Complete Concussion Management Clinical Network. Are you suffering from a concussion? Concussion symptoms that just aren't getting better? Maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe you're seeing the wrong healthcare professional. Visit completeconcussions.com slash find dash a dash clinic to find all of the local professionally trained concussion clinicians in your area. Each of our partnered clinics have gone through extensive training on concussion assessment, diagnosis, treatment, and rehabilitation, and will be able to quickly determine the root cause of your symptoms and work with you to develop a plan to get rid of them. If you don't know what's driving your symptoms, you can't ever hope to relieve them. Completeconcussions.com slash find a clinic. They have a 98% patient satisfaction rating and the net promoter score as judged by real patients is higher than Amazon, Netflix, and Apple. Completeconcussions.com slash find dash a dash clinic. You won't regret it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Dog episode number 69. Uh, it is currently October, and October is a month after back to school. October is also the busiest month that we see at Complete Concussion Management Clinics for concussion injuries. We're on pace again for another record concussion month. Um, every October, we seem to surpass our previous October, but October always seems to be the highest amount. So spring sport, or sorry, fall sports are starting back up. People going back to school, hockey, football, all starting up uh, around this time. So we start to see a lot of the sports injuries start to happen. So what we wanted to talk about today was how to get your patients, or if you are a patient, how to get back into school or work following concussion. This is also known as return to learn or return to work. Now, um, I'm gonna separate this into acute and chronic because it's a little bit different. Uh, in the acute stages, you wanna actually be a little bit more um, aggressive in terms of returning back to school uh, and work. And in the chronic stages, when patients are basically deconditioned, if you want to think about it that way, you sometimes have to take things a little bit slower uh, for them to be able to uh, get back into school without having a tremendous setback in their um, their condition. So um, there's actually quite a few similarities between school and work, which is why we combine them into one um, session. Unfortunately, a lot of workplaces are still not very accommodating with their concussion patients. And I know probably a lot of you watching this have found that to be the case where workplaces are not willing to give you modified duties or things like that. So uh, that's unfortunate, but we're going to continue to do our part to educate and hopefully that will eventually make things better. Some jobs are also more physical than others, and when you have jobs that are more physical, obviously that changes things. If you're a laborer versus a desk worker, that's going to change how we're going to return you back to your vocational duties. So let's start first with acute management. Unfortunately, many healthcare professionals out there are still advising their patients to just rest after concussion. Oftentimes, I'll have patients that have been to the emergency department, and they've been told, by the doctor in emerge that yep you got a concussion take two weeks off of everything 
telling them to sit in a dark room, don't do anything, don't go to work, don't go on your phone, don't do anything, don't even think for the next two weeks. And what we're starting to realize is that this is actually detrimental to patient recovery. Um, beyond a two to three day period, rest actually makes you worse. And I think that's something that a lot of concussion patients haven't yet realized is that rest is probably the thing that's making you worse. Even though you feel better at the time when you're not doing anything, over time you're just getting more deconditioned and you're actually making yourself worse. Listen to this. A randomized control study by Thomas et al. in 2015 found that having a mandatory five days of rest was worse than if you were put in the group that only was given two days of rest and then kind of pushed back in to activity. So two days of rest better than five days of rest. Similarly, another author by the name of Moore in 2015 found that patients who listened to the advice given by their doctor to rest actually ended up with worse outcomes than those patients that decided not to listen to their doctor's advice to rest. Those that just kind of went back into their activities ended up recovering sooner than those who did not. Now, I'm not talking about going back and playing dangerous sports, okay? We have a concussion that needs to, to, needs to be recovered, so there's a difference there. We're talking about going and doing cognitive activity, going and doing light physical stuff that doesn't involve the risk for contact. All of this stuff has been shown now to improve recovery. Just this year, a study published by Noah Silverberg found that advice to rest for more than two days after concussion was associated with a delayed return to productivity. Listen to this quote. This study supports growing evidence that prolonged rest after mild traumatic brain injury is generally unhelpful. International consensus statement on concussion in sport. Here's another quote. So this is kind of the guiding document for how you treat sports-related concussions around the world. And here was a point they were making about cognitive activity and physical activity. Quote, there is currently insufficient evidence that prescribing complete rest achieves these objectives. After a brief period of rest during the acute phase of 24 to 48 hours after injury, patients can be encouraged to become gradually and progressively more active while staying below their cognitive and physical symptom exacerbation thresholds. Basically, the rule of thumb now with concussion is you can do anything that does not provoke your symptoms to a significant degree. What do I mean by significant degree? What is a significant degree? There's two basic rules that I go by depending on the, the, the nature of the patient. The first rule I go by is the rule of five out of 10. If you're doing an activity and that starts to increase your symptoms, if your symptoms hit a five out of 10 in terms of severity and how bad they are, okay, take a break, right? Go relax, go rest for a short period of time, then come back to your activity once your symptoms have subsided, right? You're not waiting for like a little kind of, you know, tingle or you feel a little bit off so you stop all activity. No, if you're starting to feel dizzy, wait till your dizziness gets to a five out of 10, then take a break. So you're, you're, don't be afraid so much of a little bit of symptoms. The other way to think about this is similar to and stolen from the Buffalo concussion treadmill test. When you're doing a buffalo concussion treadmill test on a patient, what you're looking for is an increase in their symptoms from pre-test to during the test of three or more points out of 10. 
So if you're sitting around right now, and this is for people that say, what if I have a headache right now that's already a five out of 10? What do I do? Then you use the three point rule. And what you're looking for, if you're just sitting there doing nothing and you already have a headache that's a five out of 10, how do you know that that headache is gonna be made worse by doing activity? So what you're gonna do is you're gonna do some cognitive based activity or some activity and what you're looking for is an increase of three or more points. So if you have a, if your overall symptom score is a five out of 10 already, what you're looking for is if I do an activity, does my overall symptom score increase by three or more points? And what you would do is find out how long you can do an activity before that happens. So if it's reading, you're going to do some reading and your headache is a five out of 10 to start. Well, you're going to keep reading, not until your headache goes to a six out of 10, you're going to keep reading until your headache goes to an eight out of 10 then you're gonna stop and take a break. Let the headache come down. Once you're back down to kind of your baseline level, do it again. But make note of how much time it takes to get you there. So if you can do 10 minutes and tolerate 10 minutes of reading before your symptoms start, I want you to try to do 12 minutes, then 15 minutes, then gradually and progressively, you're doing more and more and more pushing beyond the point in which you're uncomfortable and pushing into that symptom exacerbation of three or more points. That way, what you'll start to realize is that 10 minutes becomes easy and you're able to get to 15, no problem. And now 20 minutes is easy and then an hour is easy and so on and so on and so on. But you have to kind of push beyond that. So if we start with the premise that rest is detrimental for you and actually pushing into things is beneficial in the long run, right? It's uncomfortable up front but it's beneficial in the long run. You're not going to set yourself back. You're not making yourself worse. And I think there's a disconnect there between what some healthcare professionals are telling their patients um, is that, oh, if you have an increase in symptoms, that means that you're doing damage or harmful. And it's really not the case. There's no evidence to suggest that any type of symptom increase is actually making you worse or, or harmful for you in any way. So let's go with that premise. So let's start with acute management. This is a standard that I do for acute patients, uh, and this includes both work and school. So you have an injury, day one to two, you're not going to fully rest. Basically, the rule of thumb is you can do anything that does not provoke your symptoms to a significant degree and does not place you at risk for having additional head trauma. So if you can go on your phone and read text messages and converse with your friends and it's not provoking your symptoms to a significant degree, then don't worry about it. You can do that, right? You don't have to avoid screens anymore unless they're bothering you, okay? Don't just lay in a dark room. Just be in normal light. You don't need darkness unless the light is really, really bothering you. Then you can go and have periods of time in darkness. But just be aware that when you emerge from the darkness, things are gonna look a lot brighter. So one to two days of symptom limited activity, not absolute rest, but doing activities that are not provoking your symptoms to a significant degree. Basically treat it like a casual chill weekend. You might watch a little bit of Netflix. You might go for a walk. You might do some cooking. Uh, you might have a nap. You're just going to, you're going to kind of take it easy, but not absolute rest. Keep yourself somewhat active and mobile. Day three to four, you're gonna now start increasing your cognitive load from home. If you're a student, pick up some homework and start working at it at the kitchen table and start going in shorter stints, right? Start doing, oh, okay, I'm gonna do half an hour, I'm gonna see what half an hour feels like. Then take a break, walk around, go for a walk, come back. I feel okay with that. 
try 45 minutes. Once you're able to tolerate 45 minutes of working from home, or if you're a student doing homework, then the next day you can go on to half days of work or school. So I jump right into half days, okay? If your symptoms increase to a significant degree at some point during that day, well then you can dial it back a little bit. But again, you, wanna, you don't wanna be right at the first sign of symptoms pulling back right away, okay? Don't be afraid to push just a little bit into it. Um, the modifications that I usually give to people when they're going back to half days is for school, no tests, no homework, no gym, and no recess. Gym and recess type of things generally involve sports and monkey bars and activities that could place you at risk for hitting your head again. And physical activity we haven't checked yet. So I'm not going to send somebody back to gym class when they're playing dodgeball or you know let them out on recess to play in the monkey bars and play tag and run around with their friends and you know bump heads with people. No tests and no homework is just to take the stress off from going back to school, right? Just go in and listen, be a part of the environment. So we put those restrictions in place as a general rule of thumb. There's other modifications you can add, but that depends on the nature of the person's symptoms. I'm not a fan of giving them a hat and sunglasses and all that stuff because what it does is it just makes them used to lower levels of light. So when they remove the sunglasses, they end up with increased light sensitivity. So I will give other modifications sparingly depending on what the patient has. I typically just start with no gym, no, or sorry, no tests, no homework, no gym, no recess, and let them go. Take frequent breaks as needed. That's kind of my instructions. If they realize that a certain thing is provoking their symptoms, then I'll include modifications beyond that for those specific things. With work, really the only modifications, and this is just for desk work, sedentary desk work so far. I'm going to talk about um, you know, more uh, manual labor type work um, or more physical demanding jobs in the future here. Um, if you're at a sedentary type job, desk job, basically there's no real restrictions for you. Just go do a half day of work and take frequent breaks as needed. If you need to, lower the brightness on your computer or things like that. But really the idea is just to get you into the environment, get you used to being around other people and things like that. This shouldn't really be a challenge, but if you have an increase in symptoms with this, take a break. Go home for the rest of the day. And usually the way that I will um, um, start this is just kind of pushing in and seeing, seeing what happens. Right, just go to half days, see what happens, and then we can work from there. Sometimes you got to pull back a bit, sometimes not. But my, I tend to lean on the side of encouragement and more pushing back into activity rather than pulling back because I find that that actually tends to make people worse. Once you're feeling good with half days, then you can start to increase into full days. So if your symptoms are not getting exacerbated up to a five out of 10, or three or more points from starting your day to your end of your day, then you can start going into full days of work. I keep the same restrictions for school, so even when they go back to full days of school, I keep the no tests, no homework, no gym, no recess. And then I gradually remove restrictions. So once they're feeling good with that, they do a couple days, no problem, okay, good. Let's start catching up on all the homework you have to do, and let's start studying for the tests that you may have missed and get caught up on all that stuff. So that's how I work it in with that. Um, with workers, it generally once they're back at work, they're back at work. You don't really have to lift any restrictions because you didn't really give them any. You're just giving them modifying things that can help them throughout the day to feel a little bit better. 
Now, looking at more physically demanding jobs, manual labor type jobs, getting back into work there, I want to assess their physical capacity. Same thing with returning a student back to gym class. I want to make sure that they're, they're safe to do physical exertion. So I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to do a Buffalo concussion treadmill test on them to assess what their physical capacity is. This assesses blood flow to the brain. It assesses the levels of your autonomic nervous system, and it assesses your ability to exercise and tolerate exercise. If the person is able to do this and achieve an exertion level that they would need to do that job or to be in gym class or to do that type of physical activity and they don't have any increase in their symptoms, then I'll let them go back to work. All right. If they're a construction worker that drives heavy machinery or big trucks, that's a whole other topic to begin with. That's similar to returning somebody back to driving, um, which is a nuanced thing in and of itself. And I'm just going to say on this, as I'm talking about it right now, there's really no evidence-based protocols on this. This is using other people's protocols that have been established and kind of you, telling you guys what works best in my world for me and my patients. So take that for what it is. This is very anecdotal, um, as they say. Okay, so that's acute. I tend to be like, take one or two days, take it easy, then boom, cognitive activity at home. Once you're good with 45 minutes to an hour, then you're doing half days of school or work. Once you're good with half days, I generally will, you know, a day or two later. Now you're going into full days. Good. Once you're good with full days, let's start pulling back any restrictions we put on you. Then let's start getting you doing physical activity. You're good with physical activity. Okay, now you can start participating in non-contact gym class um, and so on and so forth. So there you're now back to full school essentially. So that's the process. Now when you get into the chronic cases, these are often harder because usually these patients come with a, a lot of excess baggage and fear that if they, oh no, I can't do that because that'll set me back. Oh, I can't do that because that'll provoke my symptoms. I can't do that. So a lot of that is they've been told and it's been drilled into their head by other healthcare professionals always that you're doing too much. You need to pull back. But the reality of it is because they've pulled back so much, that's why now they get symptomatic with even the slightest little bit of activity. So we have to break that cycle. Think of it as if they're out of shape. They need to get back into shape. So oftentimes when I have patients that I need to get back to work, I have to start very small and very slow. If you push too hard right away, what happens is the patient, you're not going to affect the patient, you're not going to damage the patient, but what's going to happen is the patient is going to get afraid because they're going to have a slight increase in their symptoms and then they're going to say, I don't want to do this, this is, this is too hard and they're going to say, that person made me worse and I'm never going back there again, okay? And they're going to go find another healthcare professional who caves to their, you know, bullshit and they're going to basically sit back and keep doing nothing and keep not getting better. I'm not about that. I want to use the evidence and, and, and it's out there and show that there's really no detrimental effect to having a slight increase in any of your symptoms. And really what you want to be doing is pushing into those symptoms in a gradual way to get back to activity. But that takes being uncomfortable. And not many patients, well, I shouldn't say not many, but some patients aren't ready for that yet. Some patients aren't ready to be uncomfortable. And so they want to stick with what's comfortable now. But really what that is is short-term or short-term gain for long-term loss. So if you think more long-term and say, okay, I'm going to devote myself to feeling kind of crappy for the next little bit, but I'm going to push into this and I'm going to get through this, you will have success. Those that are afraid of this and think that I'm full of crap, you likely will not. 
and that's just the fact of the matter. So now let's get talking about school first and then I'll talk about work. I have a specific thing that I've been doing for work lately that has had um, pretty good results with people. School is tough because depending on how long they've been out, they may have really fallen behind in their work and their, their tests that they have to catch up on and units that they've missed and projects they have to make up. They're sitting there staring down the barrel of so much overwhelming piled up work that the thought of even trying to go back and tackle that is so anxiety provoking that it actually paralyzes them and prevents them from going back. So the first thing I like to do is try to get as much of that completely wiped off the slate as I can. If you can get that wiped off the slate and the, and the patient feels like they're walking into something that is going to be uh, a clean slate, they don't have this overwhelming pile, they can just focus on trying to integrate back into school, be around other people, be in the lights, be in the noise, then that takes a huge load off them and they can actually start to do that. But unfortunately, a lot of schools, and if you have school administrators or teachers out there, you have to be able to work with healthcare professionals on this to actually just go, you know what, let's find a way to make that that stuff disappear. Let's judge you on the next, you know, part of the of this unit that we're talking about, not necessarily everything that happened before. I know that some courses you can't do that because things things build on each other and you need to have that preliminary stuff. But at the same time, you have to be able to work with your students because otherwise you're completely paralyzing them and it makes it very difficult for them to come back. Once you can get that, then you can start in the process and you can start slow again. So start in first with just doing work from home, getting assignments delivered that are now learning units, getting caught up, doing extra tutorials with the teacher after hours, that type of thing to get just used to the learning environment. Then start pushing into you know, a couple hours a day, a couple periods a day, mixing it up with different classes so that you're seeing, getting a little bit of different flow. I generally will avoid things like music, obviously gym class, uh, and those types of other, you know, shop class if, if they're taking that. But I'll get them into the math, the English, the science type of courses um, and just keep pushing them back in. So I'll, I'll start with um, either a period or a half day depending on what I think they can handle. But what I'll do is I actually segment it rather than having them go to a half day every single day. What I'll do is I'll do a half day three days per week. This allows them to feel like if they go do a half day on Monday and they feel completely wiped, they get a day off on Tuesday to be at home and rest and recover. Then on Wednesday, same thing. So now it's only every second day they have to go. So let's say three days a week, half days. So similar to you know doing exercise, you, know, you wanna get back into running, you're gonna go out run a small amount on day one, but then you're gonna take a day off. You're gonna have a rest day to let yourself recover from that because you're not in shape yet. And then what I'll do, after they're good with half days, I'll make do that for one to two weeks, three weeks maybe, depending on the person and how long they've been out for. Then what I'll do is I'll actually, rather than sprinkle in half days on the other two days, I'll go full days, but I'll do the full days three days a week. So they still have that break in between so that they do the Monday and then they get Tuesday off. So even if, the, if Monday feels exhausting to you, at least you get to rest on Tuesday. And I'll do that for two or three weeks to let them get into shape. They're building up their tolerance. Then what I'll do is I'll sprinkle in half days on the Tuesday, Thursday. So now we got Monday full day. So even if Monday's tough, Tuesday at least you only have to do a half day and you can go home at lunch. 
or maybe do the afternoon. You can sleep in Tuesday morning and, and recover that way. So once you sprinkle in those two half days, I'll do that for another couple weeks. Then I'll finally get into full days. But this is a way where rather than going just like half days, full days, because even half days, five days a week is going to be tough because there's no rest, there's no reprieve from that, and that might be daunting in and of itself, and the person may feel burnt out and overwhelmed. So what you can do is go half days and skip a day to give them a bit of rest in between and gradually build on that on the to full days on the three days, and then once they're good with that, then you sprinkle in half days on the alternating days and then eventually full days altogether. So that's for school. Once they're able to pass treadmill tests and all that stuff, you can now incorporate physical activity into that. That's a whole kind of other nuanced thing. Now, for work, I use a very similar strategy to what I just talked about for school. With school, you want to be able to go at least for the duration of a class, right? So you, you, you might have, the class might be a couple hours long or an hour and a half long. With work, you can easily do like an hour here and an hour there. So you can do it a little bit more flexibly with work, provided that your work is accommodating in doing this. What I found really helpful as a starting point for people that are afraid of going back to work is again, starting with just working from home, answering emails for a few hours per day, um, getting used to interacting, getting the swing of things, going into the office for an hour and just interacting with people, being around the, the, the water cooler per se, you know, hanging out in the lunchroom, you know, getting familiar with crowds and, you know, reintegrating back in to figure out what's going on. What did I miss? What projects are we working on? That type of thing. And then I'll do that just for like the first couple of weeks of just kind of that slow, gradual reintegration as they can. Then I'll start off with, again, a similar schedule, three days a week for two to three hours, depending on the patient, three days per week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they do, they go in. I like the mornings. I like to start in the mornings and let them uh, wake up in the morning, get used to a routine, get used to getting to the office, get used to the commute, but then they get two hours and then they get to go home. Very easy. You can get through two hours. You can get through two hours. I promise you, you can get through two hours. You get through two hours on Monday. And then even then, if you feel overwhelmed and burnt out from that, you get Tuesday off. So you still get to rest on Tuesday. Wednesday, two hours. Friday, two hours. And I'll start there. I'll usually give them two weeks at the start just to get used to the routine of getting up in the morning and doing that. By then, they start to realize that they can do it. Two hours isn't bad. Then I'll up it. Three days per week at either three or four hours. So again, same thing. Four hours on Monday, day off. Four hours Wednesday, day off. Four hours Friday, day off. Then the following, and then I'll, I'll continue to build on the three days. And I'll get them all the way up to full eight-hour days, but only three days per week. Because at least, no matter what, they're building up their tolerance and their stamina to be able to last an eight-hour day, but they always get that day off the next day. And on Friday, they get two days off to recover from the week. So this is a way to get people used to and, and essentially get them to realize that they can actually make it through a full day and they're probably going to be tired, but as they, but they get tomorrow off. So it's less scary. It's less daunting. And then on Wednesday, they can do it again. And then pretty soon after a couple of weeks of doing that at full days, eight hours, they've built up their stamina where they're able to get through a full day. But now what you do is you start on a Tuesday, Thursday and start back at two hours per day, Tuesday, two hours per day, Thursday. So now you got full day Monday and you still only have a couple hours on Tuesday. So you still get most of Tuesday off. But now they're getting used to waking up every morning at the same time and getting that routine going. And then what you do is you just every week add another hour to the Tuesday, Thursday. 
and before you know it, you're up to eight hours a day, five days per week. So that's the strategy that I've been using and having really good results because it's less daunting. It's less daunting than telling somebody they have to go back and work three hours per day for the next week when they haven't been working at all. That's just too much. So I like to do it where you go in, you do your two or three hours, but then you get a day off and you just kind of, you build up those three days over time. And then I usually will, like when I start, I'll do two weeks at that first point, two weeks at that first two to three hours to let them get used to it. Then each point after that, I'll only do one week. So they get one week at three hours, one week at four hours, one week at five hours, one week at six hours, one week at seven hours, one week at eight hours. Well, sorry, then at eight hours, I usually will give them two weeks to get used to the full eight hour days. Then I start sprinkling in the Tuesday, Thursdays, and each week I grow from there until they're fully back to um, their full recovery point. That's all I have for that on that topic. We don't, don't have any questions? That's surprising. I figured there'd be nuance here that people would want to talk about, but uh, I guess not. Okay, so that's it for this uh, week's segment. Join us next week. We have not figured out a topic yet, I don't believe. No, no topic. So we'll, fi we'll think of something. If you have any suggestions, let us know something that you're interested in hearing about or learning about. Uh, let us know, and we will potentially add it even to next week. See you guys. Cheers. Have a good day. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Just one more thing before you go. This episode is brought to you by the Complete Concussion Management Clinical Network. Are you suffering from concussion symptoms that just aren't getting better? Maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe you're seeing the wrong healthcare professional. Visit completeconcussion.com slash find dash a dash clinic to find all the local professionally trained concussion rehab individuals in your area. Each of our partnered clinics have gone through extensive training on concussion assessment, management, diagnosis, treatment, and rehabilitation. Uh, they're going to work with you to try and find the root cause of your symptoms and then develop a treatment plan and approach to help get rid of them. If you don't know what's driving the symptoms, you can't ever help or hope to fix them. Completeconcussions.com slash find a clinic. They have a 98% patient satisfaction rating and have a higher net promoter score than Amazon, Apple, and Netflix. Completeconcussions.com slash find a clinic. You will not regret it. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.